Welcome to episode 13. Episode 13 is with Gloria Estrada from Viento Callejero. And two things I have to tell you. One is we love Gloria Estrada. I actually met her maybe six years ago and I don't think she remembers, but yeah, I just always thought she was an amazing musician and I'm glad that I finally had a chance to talk to her. The other uh, thing I have to tell you is I'm really sorry for not posting podcasts sooner, but I got really busy moving to California, back to California, and didn't have access to my computer, and blah, 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 but, um, but yeah, they'll be coming out more regularly now, and I hope you enjoy this podcast, and Gloria and I talk a lot about her music, what inspired her, her family, and uh, just her just genuine, serious love for Boyle Heights, so yeah, hope you enjoy, bye. How's it going, buddy? Great. Now that I have coffee, I'm <laughs> awesome. So we're in, uh, we're hanging out. What's your last name, Gloria? Estrada. Gloria Estrada. That's what I thought. Then I was like, Estrada's a little too common. Maybe I'm just remembering it wrong. <laughs> but uh, we're hanging out in beautiful Boyle Heights. Why don't you, did you grow up here? Yeah, I'm, I am actually from Boyle Heights. I grew up here um, by the projects, by Estrada Court Projects. No relation, you know. <laughs> it just happened to be where my parents decided to move to. And uh, I've, I've been actually grew up born and raised in the same house all my life really yeah huh. yeah I, I can't seem to quite leave Boyle Heights <laughs> I mean it's uh if I survived when it was really bad and yeah. dangerous I feel you know might as well stick around now there's certainly a renaissance going on right now and you can see it as you walk around and we'll get to that later but um let's talk about your band tell us about your band and you had a show last night tell us about the show yeah um well my band's name is Viento Callejero, which is uh, essentially a cumbia trio in which we get different uh, guest vocalists to, to join us. And uh, last night we played at El Cid, right on off oh, of Sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a five-year anniversary of a really fun night called Malabomba. And uh, they had all kinds of bands and belly dancing happening there. So it, it was just, it's just an eclectic, kind of unique night of music, a gypsy kind of music, and a little bit of everything. So it was really cool that they actually had a cumbia band there. <laughs> and I think uh, El Cid is also just one of those very old, it's been around for a long time. It's like an institution in the area, and it's seen these dramatic demographic changes around it, but it still maintains its like sense, it seems like. Yeah, well, I know it as a, like a flamenco Spanish yeah. Uh, yeah. restaurant, and there was actually flamenco uh, happening um, right up until the Malabomba night switched over and took over. So, yeah, they, they've been having events there for a long time, and they've kind of opened it up to other nights and stuff, so it, it's, it's a cool little, little gem, and... Yeah, I mean, every town is kind of switching around right now. I yeah. mean, L.A.'s really been shifting um, in the last 10 years, but more so you can see it a lot more strongly in the last five years, yeah. I would say. Yeah, there's a lot more money in it. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. People are tired of commuting. They're actually moving out to, yeah. to L.A. instead They want of, density. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so tell us about the band. What's the band about? What, what, um, why would you describe the music and what, what sort of inspired it? Like a little bit of background about the band. Well, we've only been playing together about a year and a half, okay. and uh, you know, I met uh, Federico, the bass player, years ago um, on tour when he was in a cumbia band called Cumbia Toqueson yeah. out in the Bay Area, and um, he moved to LA two years ago and gave me a call, reached out, saying he wanted to collaborate or do something together, and um, in, in the back of my head at the time, um, 
I was kind of like in a transition phase and I kind of was thinking I was going to let go of playing music altogether. Wow, really? Yeah. Oh. I was just not very optimistic about the music industry and, and mm. scene. So I was just like, I don't know about this. But he approached me and, I, you know, we, we kind of said, let's get together and, and do something um, laid back. And, and I always wanted to do cumbias. And uh, I was listening a lot to a composer called Lucho Bermudez, who's, who arranged a lot of the big band cumbia music and it From kind of one era 60s uh, I think it was around the 40s oh okay the 40s 50s around there and he he composed all these songs in a big band style which kind of made it acceptable to the elite folks okay. and because before it was looked what, at co- what country was this in? Colombia okay. Colombia right. So I just, because I'm a fan of like big band music in general, uh, um, yeah. that's why I was really fascinated with the style of cumbia in this genre. Like well, as, as a guitarist, how does the, how does the fandom in the big band is? Usually there's not a guitar right, in, in, well, in big band orchestra. I mean, sometimes there was like, a, you might hear like the chunking. Um, kind of like Django Reinhardt, kind of like... It, would, it wouldn't be dominant, it wouldn't be the melody. No, Because yeah. no. I, played, I played Ramon for years, no, so... You so. Might, there's a connection there for me, but I'm just wondering where that comes from for you. No, you, you might hear some guitar. Yeah, you, it wasn't a common thing because yeah. it just you would have to amplify it or just yeah. it, was, it didn't compete with the other sounds. So. But I always loved it. And, and my mind was you know, being able to create a big band, but it was just like in this day and age to have a big band to pay like yeah, you know, 20 right. musicians just not going to work. No. So I was thinking of just scaling down and... Um, Federico and I just kind of got together and then we were on the hunt for a drummer and we came across uh, Gabriel Villa from Chicano Batman. Um, yeah. He's their drummer and, and we just we just connected and it made sense. He's Colombian. <laughs> you know, so we're like, dude, you sound great. And it just, it just worked out. It worked out and all of us were kind of on the same page of just kind of like just playing these old style cumbias but just giving them a twist, just a modern kind of twist. All of us have such different backgrounds yeah. musically. And we come from different places. I'm from Boyle Heights or L.A., Federico from San Jose, and Gabriel from Cali, Colombia. So. And having, I mean, Gabriel is interesting, too, because he lived in France for a long time. Yeah. There's other elements to his background that give a lot of texture. Definitely. He studied in France for, I think, six years yeah. or played music out yeah. there. So he definitely had a different just background. And I think the three of us coming together, uh, we just, we were able to make a big sound and we really challenged ourselves. I think we were just music, the three of us are musical nerds, okay? We just geek out a lot and we're like, we're always pushing ourselves to like learn and do and try different things. So none of us are real singers, but we challenge ourselves to, to do background vocals and do harmonies. Now, granted, every time we have a new singer, we have to change those harmonies. We have to change the songs and the keys to suit every singer. So it's definitely a challenge musically going on. We try not to let the audience know that, how much we're actually working. Because <laughs> essentially, we want them to dance, have a good time. But we, you know, we fill up a lot of sound with just three people. And then the addition of the vocalist just, you know, is just icing on the cake. So let's dive into this, the vocalist piece. Because that's, I think... Um... I think, I mean, I, you know, obviously, I like your band a lot, but I think that's probably one of the most one of the one of the interesting elements is the, the sort of like co-opness of like having different singers and singers from bands that are in the neighborhood too. I think um, I saw Edika from El Coroy, Leah from Las Cabateras, yeah. and some other folks. But like, so, and how does that work logistically when you have to perform and play these songs? But you know, there's like different singer. It's all a challenge. I mean. Well, one of the things, yeah, we, we kind of like, we're like, let's just play out, even though we don't have a singer. And then, you know, 
I, I was just like, you know, what if we just have rotating singers and then just have different yeah. folks come in? Great idea. And to me, it was a way of collaborating. I mean, especially because all of us work with so many musicians. Right. We have so many musicians to draw from. And we're, I work with a lot of independent artists and musicians, singers, that I thought it would be a really cool thing to kind of recreate some of this collaborative music that I think was in some ways lacking in L.A. a little bit. I just wanted to just have more of, of, of folks getting together being able to jump on each other's projects, you know. My, my best friend would talk about the 60s, how she would go to concerts and, you know, she'd see Bonnie Raitt and then all of a sudden someone else would come out, like mm, a huge yeah. star, you know. Yeah. And I don't know if we really see too much of that um, sometimes, at least here amongst, in, in the independent scene, you know. And I, and, well, I, and it's also no secret that everyone knows each other, so yeah. it absolutely makes sense that y'all are sharing resources and, sh- yeah. and like... And I think with having different singers, you have a very different tone. Adika's tone is very different from yeah. Leo's, and it, it adds a lot of richness, richness to what you're yeah. performing. No, it, it's a great thing. And, and for me, it was also a way of kind of like showcasing and highlighting right. the talent that's yeah. out there. Right. You know, like I said, I've worked with a lot of these folks. They're, some, they're friends of ours, and I think, you know, we, it's a way of helping everybody out as opposed to, you know, just kind of guarding or, yeah. you know. Yeah, silos of music. Yeah. Yeah, just it's, And it's kind of what Wu-Tang did. Yeah. It did it really well, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's true. <laughs> so I mean, it, it's happening. I mean, I'm not saying we're the first to do it. We're definitely a band that's really pushing that right now. Yeah. Um, but there are bands that have been collaborating for sure, and, and I think definitely no no one more than us because that is what we do, you know. So, um, but it's fun, and and it, it like you said, it adds a different dynamic every time you see us. A different singer just brings something new to the table, and likewise, we have to adjust. Like we have to either play more laid back, play, play more aggressively, um, change the arrangements, um, and just, just kind of, because we want to highlight whoever's doing it with us, you know, and, and it's... It also sounds like you enjoy that, that oh, musical yeah, challenge, that's what I'm saying. We're musical nerds, man. We're just, you know, we're, you know, we're so having keeps, a good time. So, like, I guess in a sense that maybe it keeps it fresh for you, too, every yeah. concert, every show, so it keeps you engaged. For sure. You know, one thing, I mean, having, playing the same songs over and over, you can get bored, right. you know? Right. People don't, who don't see you all the time don't get bored, but you might get bored. And this is a way that it's like, I still have to practice the songs because it's like, oh man, what, what key does that singer do it in? I have to go over that, you know? Because it's getting, getting easier to kind of whip out faster now that, you know, I'm, I'm forced to do it more frequently. But it's still, I have to practice because I want to make sure that I... I, I figure that out in the key for the singer all of us do you know we have to make sure we adjust and it's and it's i've noticed it's been mostly women is that intentional no no we've uh i mean i work with a lot of female um artists so to me it's just easy to reach out to them you know but we have uh incorporated like um tony salsa from a band called wikani i've i've had history with him because he used to be the leader of a band called umo verde back in the late 90s early 2000s and you know, he would invite me to play bass with him when, when he needed a bass player. And um, Andres Flores, who lives in Mexico, he's like a Son Jarocho master. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And when he was in town, we got him. And we even took him to Chicago and, and mm-hmm. Madison, Wisconsin with us. So um, we're definitely open. We have we definitely have a, Edgar from Buyapongo. We've had mm-hmm. him um, join us. So, you know, we have some, some guys that we hit up from time to time. Yeah. Cool. And then, um, so you have one album out right now. Yeah, we just released it last month, so it's still still hot off the press. 
<laughs> and I, I decided I like this question, so I'm gonna keep asking bands it. So if someone's like uh, finding you for the first time or getting to know you for the first time, what's a good song to start with? I mean, your discography isn't as broad, obviously, yeah. than some other bands, but. I mean, every song has a little different flavor because even in, on the record, we have a different singer for every song. Right, so right. they all have a slightly different flavor. Um, I think Cariñito, the one that Leah Gallegos does yeah. from Las Cafeteras, um, I think that's, that's I love the, what we kind of did to that song. Um, it's, a, it's a cover from a, a singer, a Colombian, called Peregollo. And... Uh, I love that one, and and one of the ones that we wrote is Antes de Amanecer, the last track, which is kind of a little like psychedelic rock intro going into a cumbia, and that one's kind of a fun fun song for us. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And so, um, describe describe where we are right now. What is this place? All right, we're uh, in Primera Taza in Boyle Heights. Why did your voice go lower? It's like <laughs> it's, it's it's like the Boyle Heights thing. You gotta like look around, make sure everything's yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, no, Boyle Heights. Uh, this is on First Street, and First Street has really gone through a huge change in in years, the last years, and, and for for the better. Um, well, it's great. It's great having the light rail here, right? That's really yeah. important. It's important to keep it accessible. It's important for. Even folks like me that wouldn't normally go here, even though I know what it is, yeah. just to get here a lot easier. I mean, this was crazy. I mean, I remember when I, because I, I went to high school here, Roosevelt High School down the street. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And um, I remember I used to, like, ditch school and go to coffee shops, but there was never a coffee shop in the area that I could go to. So me and my friends would drive out to, like, Hollywood just for coffee. <laughs> Or, or a few, you know, cities away to go to, like, a Starbucks back then, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Um, and it's like, man, why don't they have coffee shops here? And it's been great. You know, this, this place opened up uh, a while back. What's it called again? Primera Taza. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's just great to see businesses open up. And, and a lot of these businesses on First Street here are from folks that are from Boyle Heights. Yeah. You know, they are from the neighborhood. They're not just coming in and taking over. And I think that's what's kind of cool about what's happening on First Street, that the people here are attached to this little piece of town yeah. and giving back, you know? It's unlike where a lot of areas where the where the metro comes in, you have a lot more like franchises and stuff. Yeah, and it's this changing. Is, it's changing, but you can still get a sense that it is still the community to some extent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I said just they opened up a Starbucks on, a, on, a, on mm. Soto and the Olympic and next to a Sears, which is like a landmark. Oh, the big Sears building? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, oh my god, this is the end of Boyle Heights right here. <laughs> it kind of freaked me out. I mean, I, I love this neighborhood. I mean, like yeah. I said, I, I grew up here when it was... I used to drop to, to the floor because there were gunshots going yeah. over. There were helicopters over my house every night, you know. And going from that to, like, seeing just, you know, people taking over the neighborhood and, and just bringing good things, it's a beautiful change to, to see. And I've stuck around to see it, and I, I hope to stick around to continue to see it grow. Yeah. yeah. And, and then um, as, as I was waiting for you, I see all these like mariachi dudes like walking around. That's pretty oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. This, this is the mariachi mecca right here. If you ever need to hire mariachi, they, this is a spot. At any time of day, you'll when find I, them here. When I was describing mariachi plaza to people in uh, Minneapolis, I was like, well, it's basically like a day labor center uh, for mariachis. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's kind of, um, kind of like the Garibaldi of, of Mexico. Yeah. And that's kind of where the musicians go and hang. And, and yeah, this is, I mean, 
I think Boyle Heights more than any other part is kind of like resemblant of, of Mexico yeah, yeah. and and they have mercados side. here yeah. they have yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the kiosk give, you know in honor of the mariachis and the musicians here and you know you'll find definitely the more authentic food I think out here absolutely yeah, yeah. and then randomly you side love randomly <laughs> side love exactly <laughs> I, I couldn't go in there because I wasn't wearing like a collared shirt once oh really was it, that must have been a while back I don't think they're as strict with their dress code as oh, they used God, to be thank God because that was annoying yeah. I was like, oh no, they got yuppie. Oh, no. I know, you know, it. You know, it, every business uh, wants to bring something new, and I think they were just trying to bring something new at the time. And and and, and, and I, I respect that in the sense that you they know have to, they, have to, they have to make money. Whatever, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and there are other bars where you don't have to do that. The bar right next door, Palomas, <laughs> is just as awesome, and you know, uh, maybe half the price, you know. But yeah. you know, it's great. You know, you could get it. You get either one. Yeah. Yeah. I think my smoker friends love East Side Love because it has that like back alcove oh, yeah, thing where you can yeah. just have your smoke. And... Yeah, and East Side Love, I mean, I, I I love that spot. Just, I mean, visually it's great. Yeah. It has a great vibe in there. Um, I know the owner, Guillermo, he's really great at, at bringing different stuff there and, and music. And he's a supporter of a lot of the music out here. So he is always bringing bands and, and open to like bringing folks in. So Yeah. Uh, and then, so before before we started the podcast, Gloria and I discovered that both our fathers were from Zacatecas. And the reason we discovered that is because I noticed her ball buckle, because I have two of my own from my father. Yeah, man. Zacatecas, they go with boots and, and, and belt buckles, man. Can't help it. Well, when we were cleaning up the house, I discovered my, my dad had this, like, white belt buckle with this, like, ocean thing in the middle of it. Uh-huh. And I was like, damn, my dad was flamboyant. Yeah. Holy crap. Ah, so you got good taste. Yeah. I, I remember a friend of mine told me, a musician friend, he's a dear friend of mine. He's all like, "Man, you can look like crap, but the, there, there, there are few things that are gonna umph your your yeah, game." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all like, "Accessories, yeah. have a nice wallet, or have a nice belt, <laughs> have nice shoes or jewelry, and that that'll that'll like you know even out if you're looking like crap." You need, <laughs> like, you right. need the good you need the good buckle, right? Yeah, that's all I need. That's all I need. The buckle. That's all you need. And one of my dad's buckles it, it has like a like a horseshoe and has like yeah. the it has the middle name that they gave him when they crossed when he crossed the border. It wasn't oh, really his middle name. Okay. So it's it's like a it's totally like a fabricated identity for him. Yeah. I never understood why he wore it so much, but. Oh man. Weird. Yeah, I mean, like the one I have now is my one of the ones I wear all the time. It's mm. my favorite. I got it here in uh, El Mercado, um, El Mercadito, right here on Olympic. I'm, I mean Lorena and First. Okay. And. Uh, it's just one of my favorites. I don't know. It just to me it, it represents my neighborhood. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Sure, it's where your neighborhood, Gloria. Yeah, I know. I'm proud. I'm a Boyle <laughs> Heights kid. People tell me, "Where are you from?" You know, or "What's your background?" And I, I don't even say Mexican or Mexican American yeah. or Chicana. I say I'm Boyle Heightsian because that I feel like this neighborhood made me who I am. Well, it's it's like I mean I think I I grew up in Montebello, and I'm not necessarily proud of being from there because it's kind of a boring city. But I think. I think um, when you get more into East LA and, and Boyle Heights and you are a Mexican, there's yeah. no distinction. Like this, like this is functionally Mexico because mm-hmm. of the amount, because of the demographics, because of how present our community is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, also for me, like coming, being from this neighborhood, I never, even when it wasn't cool to be part of Boyle yeah. Heights, I was still very, very proud to be from here because it just, it's, it was what gave me character. Yeah. It's where I'm from, you know. Yeah. I'm in a gun-infested or gang-infested gang area, you know. Good for me that I didn't go that route, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm alive and, 
you know, not too many folks did get out alive back then, yeah. you know. Yeah. I think, I think, I don't know if we're the same age, I'm 32. Yeah, 33. Yeah, so we're close to the same age. I think, yeah, I think even in Montebello where I grew yeah. up, it was, it was still like, we lost a lot of folks to that. And, yeah. And not just if they were killed, but they just got caught up and... Yeah. I don't even know where the half those guys are. Yeah, exactly. It was just part of the times of the 80s and early 90s were, were tough in that in that area, I think, it, just in general with a lot of gang violence. But, you know, it's changed so much, you know, and, and it's a great thing that, is, that has happened. You know? yeah. So, um, what do I want to ask? I can't remember. Uh, I, you know, I just try to follow the conversation and I just have to think about it for a second. It's awkward. Uh, but <laughs> what are you thinking about right now, Gloria? Uh, right now I'm thinking about my day. Uh, I'm like, I've been working so hard these last weeks. I'm just like, all right, what's next? Oh, what's your, what's your day job? My day, I, all I do is music. Really? You're, you're at that point where you just make enough money? I'm, to... I'm hustling. Nice. Left and right. I play with a lot of folks. I mean, okay. I, I, I personally have Viento Callejero. I'm in a jazz and blues duo called Finger Dancers, and we're going to actually hit the studio with uh, John Avila, who's a bass player from Mango Boingo, next month. And um, aside from that, I play with a lot of folks, like... Just, um, just gigging a lot, or...? Yeah, gigging, I, I teach, and uh, from writing stuff, you know, just things come in from different sources, you know? It's, it's, as a musician, you got to kind of do it all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, Dominique was talking about, or not Dominique, um, the basses from the Oh, Mike. I think, I think Mike and I think Dominique live dominantly off of playing yeah. music, but it's like a lot of random, random jobs. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a hustle. Like, I mean, in some ways you work harder because there's nothing consistent, yeah. so you don't have time, you don't have like the weekend to like chill or deprogram. It's right. like, no, you got to figure out if you have work or whatnot. And um, fortunately, like this... This last year, I've been just playing with a lot of folks, so it's been a great thing to, to be able to collaborate and and be invited to play. You know, I, I got to play with Quetzal at Grand mm. Performances for the 20-year anniversary show last weekend. Wow, yeah. And that was a beautiful yeah. night to see. I mean, part of me wished I was part of the audience member to enjoy like right. everything they put together, but it was really great being part of it, you know, and, and being a little, you know, seed in that because I mean Getsal is fascinating because like you know there's bands like yourself like Chicago Batman these bands that are emerging out of East Los Angeles but Getsal really started it a long time ago and yeah they've, I mean they've been around 20 years yeah. and uh, you know they've kind of done things their own way and I respect them for that you know and, and um, they're not a mainstream band so they don't have that kind of um, mainstream success but amongst the neighborhood and people who know of them they are very much revered and looked oh, yeah. upon as a great band for what they do and all the community work that they do which is great you know um and they their band of integrity and that they stand their ground about how they feel um Quetzal is very vocal about how he feels about issues or or things and and I respect someone who feels passionate about that and voices it you know yeah. and, and is genuine he is genuine about how he feels um, and it's great working with them. They're they're so talented, you know. So and I've, they've they've invited me to play with them a few times, and it's always a treat to work with musicians at that level. It's like a grin again, like like nerding out with with other music musicians like that about music, and it's a fun challenge, you know. Well, I, re I remember because uh, I I saw you perform like five six years ago or something, and I was immediately fascinated with you because you plucked electric strings, and I played classical guitar, and I and nylon was hard for me, so I don't know how. Is that common, or is that as weird as I thought it was? 
No, it's not. It's not a very common thing. Um, there are finger players, um, but I actually did start playing um, when I studied music. When I actually eventually started studying music, I first started start studying classical music at uh, Pasadena City College. So they make you play with your fingers and nails, or you know, and uh, right. You have to you have to grow out your left hand or grow out your right, right hand, hand if you're right-handed. Yeah. And. From that, I adopted that technique when I crossed over to electric guitar because I had to play electric guitar studying because then I crossed over to the jazz uh, studies. And I had a, I just had to do the same thing. I just couldn't get used to a pick. Mm-hmm. You know, having had technique on, in classical guitar, it just, it just felt better. And I just really developed my style just being a total finger player. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I love watching it. You know, because again, I grew up. I grew up with that. I love seeing it. I you know, it's funny. It. Uh, classical guitar players will be like, "Do you play classical music?" Because yeah. I do adopt a lot of that technique yeah, and I, I use it. it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a common thing. I don't see it. Usually, the guitar players I do see do play finger, especially doing lead. Um, the, even the guitar players that I did see still use like a finger pick or of some sort. So it's not a. It's not too much. I think I think uses her fingers, but I think she might cross in between both. You must have like really crazy calluses on your fingers I too. I don't. I don't because I use lotion uh, and I take care of my hands. You know what you're doing. <laughs> I, did, I did not know what I was doing. I know. Most guys don't use lotion, so uh, they have like callus, you know, jumping out of everywhere. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I try to take care of my hands. Well, I was, I was like 13 when I was playing classical guitar and I was too shy to like really grow out my nails the way you're supposed to, yeah. you know, because... I, just, I was always a very shy child, and that would draw too much attention. No, even for me, I didn't like the look of having nails on one hand. The other yeah. hand, that was like, man, people must think I'm weird. Well, you know? especially in like the late '80s, <laughs> it just it wouldn't be far to assume that I was perhaps doing a lot of cocaine yeah. or something. You know, because that's what was going on at the time. No, I know, but I mean, it, it worked. I mean, now I and I don't have nails because they 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 yeah. die with electric uh, strings. Right, so they yeah. yeah, they grow very little, or now they're very weak. But I mean, now it's pretty much just all finger that I use flesh, not so much nail and. I make it work. I mean, it's it's trying to recreate stuff without a pick. So I mean, it might not. I might not have the same aggression maybe in some styles, but I can still strum. I can still do lead. Um, you know. And, there's the, and then you can do the finessing because you're using your fingers. Too. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people will compare me when they they hear me my playing. They might they say you have like an African influence style because they do a lot of that kind of finger picking. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I like doing a lot of palm muting stuff. Sorry, I'm like music geeky now here. Go for it, go for it. But I, I do a lot of finger uh, muting or hand muting and, and finger plucking at the same time. So it kind of has that African sound like the Mbira, you know, where that, that is that sound. The mute and the thump and you still hear the clarity of the notes. But you, I mean, you didn't intend to do that. It's going to happen no, as a part of your... No, that's yeah. just... Sonically, it's where I wanted to go yeah. and, and wherever the music lent, took me, it's like I just try to follow... I mean, it's like faking it. I, I, I say I fake it in a lot of instruments and a lot of styles. It's just I do enough to kind of get by or I do what I think it sounds like. So I'm not ever doing it exactly the way it's supposed to sound like. Even like the cumbia stuff that I'm doing, like as we were resurrecting these songs, they're really trumpet, horn, right. clarinet lines. They're designed for a different instrumentation. Yeah, therefore, which, yeah, which to me was fun to try to get a different sonic sound. Not the cliche guitar licks that you hear. So to me, it was like a cool thing to try to do something different and not slide into a note the same way or not, mm-hmm. you know, pluck it in the same way. It's just how would a how does that horn get that sound? Well, they do this. They just so just trying to find those voicings was a fun challenge for me. 
Well, and I think for me, as I was as I was getting to know Chicago Batman and these other sort of sounds from Los Angeles area, I think what I have appreciated as a fan of music is the sort of like the drawing from the past, but with its own with its own unique signature. Yeah. So it's not it doesn't it sounds unique, but it's also it also has depth and like and it draws from our heritage as Latin Americans. Yeah. And and we talked about this in the interview with Chicago Batman. And that that in and of itself is a bit of a political statement in that yeah. you know we're saying that there's value in where we come from. There's yeah. value in where our grandparents and our ancestors come from. Yeah, I mean, it all seeps into your playing, whatever yeah. you're... I mean, they're, from hearing the, the boleros or the romantic music, there's this, like, there's this style that, that's kind of in me when I play, too, or when I think about when I'm arranging certain things. It's like, okay, it, just because my ear is used to that, you know? So to, it's cool playing with other folks, I get called to do session work and I play in other people's records or songs and, you know, bringing my influence to something that, you know, that they wouldn't think so, you know. And the other day I did like a country polka gig. What the hell is that? Yeah, there's a night, there's a <laughs> night here at the Echo every Sunday is called the old, the grand old Echo. So for folks that are outside of Los Angeles, Echo it's is like, like fun little place up in Echo Park, yeah? Yeah, in Echo yeah. Park. And, and now they have like this kind of country night this guy put it together he's from texas and they're trying to make it like this kind of like texas country kind of night or day because it's like during the daytime Mm. so i got to play like kind of like this country polka with a friend of mine fernando Livari, and uh it was fun to just kind of like fake it on that style too (laughs) and then some people are like oh you're like doing like african picking over country music i'm (laughs) like okay cool you know so it it sounds different to folks and i think it, it lends itself to to the new sound. Well, I think I think faking does a disservice to the talent that you bring, and just you're you're adapting sounds. You're making music. That's what it is. Yeah, right? I mean, just I mean, I, it's just that I respect so much the sure. music and the style. Sure. That it's like I, I wouldn't call myself. I mean, it took me a long time to call myself a guitar player. Mm. I had a, a hard time calling myself that because I was just like, man, there are real guitar players. Yeah. I'm just doing enough to like get me by, mm. you know. Yeah, I would never call myself a classical guitarist. I just say that. Yeah. At some point in my life, I spent yeah. some time doing it. Yeah, it's it's hard work, so. That is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so what do you? Um, so when you're not doing music, what else are you up to, Gloria? What give us give us a, a view from behind the curtain here, for your, for your, all your big fans out there that. You know, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time off. <laughs> I really don't, and I, I, I'm a workaholic, yeah. and I love music, so I, when I'm not playing it, teaching it, making it, um, I'm listening to it, you know, or stuff like that. So I, I'm very much immersed in that, and I'm a workaholic and, and stuff, but um, I do like to do program. I, I actually love, like, movies. Okay. What kind of movies? Uh, it depends. Like I mean, big blockbusters depends. where everything blows I, up. Yeah, I do like big blockbusters. I like independent <laughs> films. Um, I do enjoy like different documentaries. I mean, it just, it just depends on the mood. Like sometimes when I when I don't want to think, I'll throw on like a comedy or a yeah, romantic sure. comedy or something like that or a blockbuster. Like this weekend, I was just like, man, I haven't had a day off in like a month. Tomorrow's my only day off. Yeah, right, right. So I'm like, what should I do? Should I go to the beach? Should I? you know stay home and veg out you know um and there are a couple movies i want to see i want to see like the planet of the apes and i want to see lucy i, lo- I love that monkey ship man <laughs> i love the planet of the apes you and see lucy's supposed to be like a really yeah i know I, I heard great things about it so i want to definitely check them out and i mean i i remember watching planet of the apes with my brother and sister yeah. i mean they, they were older so they would make me watch like wonder woman and you know um, <laughs> superman and stuff yeah. like that and so i was you know planet of the apes 
I remember seeing like TV show The Bionic Woman yeah. and stuff like that. So, I mean, sounds like, sounds like there might be some Star Trek in there too. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, the movies, the the newer movies, I think were great. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, really yeah. So I geek out like that. So I, I, to me, I love I love movies. I love the, just how they transport you. I love the story. I love how music seeps in there and, and stuff. So. I love the experience. My parents actually used to own a video store when I was Oh, really? Older. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Right in front of my house in Boyle Heights. Yeah. Uh, and we had it for about six or seven years. So hmm. since I was young, I would watch movies all the time. And my dad would be like, hey, watch this one. Is it good? Should we buy a few or just one? And, you, know. so you were the critical yeah. You were the critical element in this whole yeah. family operation. <laughs> yeah, we would uh, just, you know, I'm like, Dad, I don't think that one's going to rent here. And it was just funny because the area, like, what was popular back then, anything that had a gun, <laughs> a sword, yeah. like things being blown up on the cover was what would rent. It didn't matter what the movie was about. As long as it had like some kind of action, yeah. something on the cover, you know, like Steven Seagal movies, Van Damme movies, those were the popular ones back then. So My, my father, uh, he was half deaf and didn't speak much English. And so he loved watching like these horrible Steven Seagal. Like, oh, yeah. Because he didn't, you, you could follow the plot by following the explosives, right? Exactly. Like, and, and it's how they learned English, too. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. they just needed the essential words. I'll be back. I'll, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> Terminator, yeah. all that stuff. So those were the hits. Yeah. So we bought my, we had gotten my dad all these like terrible, terrible movies just because that's what he liked watching I was like what the hell are you doing yeah you know and it's funny because we actually still have some movies from that that time in our basement and it's like we even have a bunch of like Spanish movies that probably aren't even converted to like DVDs or anything like that but we still have a bunch of old school movies down in the basement VHS that was what was booming back then (laughs) how do you speaking of your parents how do they feel about this um, just your your sort of um, your life in music you know, they they were very supportive early on, I think, in terms of it was a good distraction. They saw me into guitar as opposed to being out in the street or, or uh, you know, I wasn't bringing problems home or of any sort. I wasn't getting in gangs or anything like that. So I think they were like, yes, guitar, yes, do that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think they saw right away that, that I was just fascinated by it. And, and when I was 15... When I t- was about to turn 15, I, not that I was going to have a quinceañera, but I told but I told my dad, I'm like, hey, dad. I want to see your quince photos. That needs to be like, part of this podcast. Well, he, check this out. I was like, dad, like, I'm going I'm, I'm to do you a favor. I'm going to do you a solid <laughs> and save you a lot of money by not throwing me a quinceañera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all, just buy me an electric guitar and it'll be a gift that lasts forever, not just one day. Yeah. And surely enough, we went to a music store and he got me a really, like, I didn't even know what I bought. I just saw the... It was small, I liked the color, and I said, I was being such a girl that I want that one because of the color and the size. And it, and it ended up being like an $850 guitar, which is not cheap. Still cheaper than a quince. Still cheaper than a quince, <laughs> but it was just one of those things, and, and I ended up buying a Gibson Les Paul, little to my knowledge, knowing what that was. It's a pretty killer guitar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and my dad got it for me, and it was funny because... We spent all the money on the guitar that I couldn't afford an amplifier until like <laughs> five years later. That's what you do. I would just play it like in my room without an amplifier. You could like barely play it. I mean, yeah. you can't really hear what you're doing. That's where I really developed my finger style. <laughs> you really gotta jam the strings. Exactly. Uh, it was the only way to project. <laughs> you had to force the music out of it because yeah, exactly. you didn't have an amplifier. 
That is a really funny story. Yeah, so I mean, they were supportive. They were, I mean, at a certain point, my parents were like, my mom was like, are you sure you want to do music? When I really decided I was going to go for it. So you don't want to be a doctor or a nurse or an accountant or something. <laughs> Something that has how, how, do your, how does your mom go from doctor and nurse to accountant? Like, you know, what, I don't know. <laughs> she, she just anything stable, you know. She was yeah, looking sure. for. Um, but no, they've they've never discouraged it. They've seen how how passionate I am about it. That and and the things that I bring forward. I'm not just doing small gigs. They see all the things that I've been a part of, and and I think they really get it. And you know, they they couldn't be more encouraging as far as like pushing it and saying, don't give up, do what you need to, and you know. It's well, it also, it also seems like you've developed a really amazing community of artists and people. Have they also been able to experience that and to see that yeah, part of it? Yeah, when they've seen me, I mean, like, they've seen the shows I've been a part of, and, and they they just, they're very happy for me. They're very proud. Seeing, they're like, oh, I saw you on TV, or my dad the other day is like, hey, we, there was a newspaper article. How come you didn't tell me? I'm all like, I don't even know what you're talking about, you know? So I think for them it just validates like that I, I'm doing something. It's not just like a garage band that I'm a part of. You know, they do realize that I am doing it, and it, it has its. It's happening. It is happening, yeah. Cool. So what what um what's been a highlight for you as a musician over these I don't know like eight years of something. I'm just throwing out an arbitrary number. No, no, uh, no. That's actually pretty close. Uh, I'm also psychic, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been great to just see other parts of of the world and other cities. I think that's been great to make connections and see other people and their strengths and their struggles and and the beauty that other folks can can provide in their city and what they're doing. It's very beautiful to see that. You it's know, been, so you've gone international too. Yeah, I've, I've played in Mexico and in Spain. And uh, it's been great to just see what, what other people bring to the table, what their art is and what their music is and what their passion is and what their str- the struggle of their people is, you know, or, or not, you know. And it's, it's kind of a way of learning and bringing that back. Hopefully you bring the good or you acknowledge the things you don't like and, and don't bring that back to where what, you come What band was it when you went to Spain? I went with uh, Maria del Pilar. Okay. And this was uh, maybe... Five years, six years ago, maybe when we went to Spain, she she did some kind of like uh, festival out there that was featuring Chilean artists. So uh, yeah, so I got to go with her. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I mean, I I went to Mexico uh, maybe three months ago, and I got to meet these guys out there, and they were just telling me some really cool things that they were doing with music. Like, and they are part of uh, this collective that that works with an artist that they get these guns from d- drug cartels. Right, right. No, I've read this. It's amazing. And they make um, musical instruments. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I was just fascinated. And his job was to test out the instruments, the guitars or basses, make sure that they actually work and that they sound well. So after the artist kind of creates them, they just have to make sure that they, they're playable and that they get sound or, you know, that they're comfortable, that they're not going to get hurt. You know, mm-hmm. while playing them, and <laughs> you're playing a machine gun. Yeah, I mean, just you know, the technicalities, you know. But yeah, I this mean, might be sharp edges. Again, so. <laughs> but I think I thought that was such a great thing, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, how beautiful that they're turning something negative into something positive and giving these, um, you know, mu- musical instruments to kids or, or being used in a positive way. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I, you know, it'd be great to have something like that out here, you know. And as I tell people about it, hopefully someone would want to, you know, do it, or maybe it is in process. I'm not sure, you know, but that's something great to take out and learn from and, and try to recreate, you know. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, try to find the article and post it yeah. when I post this, oh, this podcast cool. so I can find it. Yeah, that's, that was really interesting. Yeah. I've never seen that. So, yeah, just, I mean, traveling, uh, getting to know folks has been a great thing in these last years. And, and also just um, the co- musical collaborations, like being able to, like, play or make music with people you respect and admire. They're just, like, nice little things to check off of, like, wow, I can't believe I did that with that person or how great or an experience that I didn't anticipate or that ended up being a great, beautiful, you know, magical moment, you know? And I think it, well, I think it definitely speaks to your skill, too, that you're able to be so adaptive to different types of sounds and, and motivations with these different bands yeah, and individuals. It, yeah, it's great. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm very lucky that people call me and, and want me to be a part of either their music, their their you know they're gigging or you know the shows or whatnot and it, i don't i don't take it for granted i never think like oh yeah I'm, i don't come at it like i come from really a place of like i'm grateful that people call me and that they want me to be part of their musical team in some shape or form you know it's i don't take that for granted ever and also be a part of random podcasts <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> i think i think one one thing for me that's been really funny about these podcasts we were talking about this before is uh, musicians are actually really terrible to interview with uh, they tend to be really awkward, and, know, and like, I, I just think about it a lot, and I was like, yeah, no shit, because that's why they play music, because yeah. they, you know, the, a vocal representation is as strong for them as like a, a musical representation. I know you you don't want to give me a mic on stage and have me talk. I just say <laughs> I don't make any sense. Yeah. You hear crickets when I say something. I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's been funny, and and I think the other thing that's been funny for me as I've been doing this is like. I don't think the Latino community is as connected to podcast as a medium as, yeah. as I would prefer other communities. And so I think um, whenever I post a podcast, I have to sort of like describe what a podcast is yeah. and what we talked, you know, have to do a really yeah. big rundown of what we talked about and just introduce the band as well. So there's like a more contextual yeah. sort of offering. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's so many forms of getting information now. It's yeah. like you're competing with all kinds of things. Um, Online, there's so many ways of getting information online from blogs to podcasts to YouTube or interviews here and there, you know, um, articles. So it's there's a lot of information out there. You know, it can be overwhelming, I think, yeah. for, for audience or you know, to, to take it all in. But I think there's a value in like people just if they're fans of your music, they can hear your voice and yeah. hear you describing what you do and yeah. get, a, get more, a little more insight in like yeah. why you're developing it or yeah. what draws your attention or. You know, and all that stuff, and your fascination with Boyle Heights. I mean, I guess it's something valuable people get to hear that. Yeah, know. no, I'm, I'm definitely like, like I said, I'm Boyle Heightsian. Like, I, I don't, I don't wave the Boyle Heights flag all the time, but I am from here. You know, it's not, it's not a photo op for me or anything like that. Like, I really am from this this town. I grew up here. I know the streets. I've had a lot of history in a lot of these streets and places. Yeah. <laughs> what other? What else can I ask you? What other weird things can I? Uh, kind of just looking outside for inspiration. <laughs> There's a. I'm fascinated with this beer. I can't say that right. Beer. Beer. Beerieria. Yeah. I don't think uh, I've ever seen that before. Is it good? I'm vegetarian. Oh, nice. That's a, that's a terrible question then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my background research. No, one of the tough things. One of the, here's here's one thing I am gonna say about Boyle Heights that I don't like it's very tra- much. It's, it's, a tra- it's tragic being a vegetarian, Latino. It's it's a tragedy being a vegetarian in Boyle Heights. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like like the beans aren't like cooked in lard, or you'll find chicharrones or something in there, and 
Although more places are getting a little friendlier. They're getting better at it because there's more, basically more white folks coming down. They yeah. have to offer those things. Yeah, I mean, I mean but even, even like Latinos are, are not wanting to have lard, lard yeah. in, in their food, you know, and, and I think a lot of folks are ve- turning vegetarian friendly or kind of want to take, uh, you know, are more conscious of, of what they're consuming. And there's a great place right here just on First Street. Again, I'm telling you, First Street right here is, is booming called uh, Unsol Kitchen, yeah. Unsol Osol, um, and they, they have vegetarian, vegan options, you huh. know. It used to actually be Homegirl Cafe, and then they moved down to Alameda, oh, yeah, and yeah. now this spot opened up. Their, their site is massive, their yeah. site now is gigantic. Yeah, yeah. I know, I was so bummed out when they moved, because it was like the first, like, veggie-friendly place I was here, and they had delicious food, and then they moved. But now this spot opened up years back, and it's a great little spot. They have great food here. I, I, I just wish there were more, you know? Yeah. How, long, how long have you been vegetarian? Um, well, it, I took it in phases. Um, I stopped eating red meat about uh, thir- 14 years ago. Okay, so this has been a long commitment. Yeah, yeah. You know, my dad was a butcher, and he used to take me to, like, <laughs> carnicerias and Farmer John's. And I used to see the meat dangling in freezers, and there's just... I, at one point in my life, just the scent came and I just got really grossed out. Re- yeah, the physical repulsion yeah. to it. Mm. So I don't miss it. People make carne asada, they're like, come on, don't you crave it? I'm all like, no, you're, you're reaffirming why I'm a vegetarian right, right uh, now by waving that in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I stopped eating chicken and turkey about four years ago. That was kind of the only thing I would eat. I, I didn't ever did seafood. Um, so. Okay. Huh. I was vegetarian for a couple of years, and I couldn't handle my sister's husband's family like giving me this like the evil eye because I wouldn't eat what she was cooking. It's just I couldn't do it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not the type of person that'll make you feel guilty for eating meat. Like if you eat it in front of me, like I've had breakfast with my dad, and I have to cut up his steak, you know, mm. and that that doesn't bother me. Like I'll you know, it's just I can't consume it, and I don't crave it. But I, I don't give anyone a guilt trip. It's like. I wish I wasn't vegetarian, to be honest. I just, mm. I just can't handle it anymore. Mm. You know, physically, I just, my body doesn't accept it. So, mm. yeah. you've been that long, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, but when I first started, like it wasn't like, oh, mm. it, it was. It came from physically. My body was just saying no. So, it wasn't a hard thing for me to transition out of meat. You know, some people do it. They're like, oh, because of the animals or. For health reasons and then they struggle with it because they still crave it and that was mm. never a problem for me because i never craved it mm. i went to a wedding once when i was a vegetarian with my cousin and uh you know i identified myself as a vegetarian they were really confused it wasn't downing <laughs> and i got a plate of like carrots and squash and that was it i was like man this is not no yeah i get a lot of that where it's like you know, you go somewhere and then everybody has all these options and then I just have a few. And, you know, part of me is like, I'm, you know, you just learn to be okay with it. Part of it is just like you just need to give yourself some nutrition yeah. and you get to splurge whenever you get to splurge whenever <laughs> there's an opportunity. You yeah, get to do yeah, it, yeah. you know. Um, I've, I've been pretty fortunate. Um, I thought I was going to struggle in Mexico and, and the last time I was there two weeks, I actually was okay. Well, if, you're in, if you're in the capital, I think it's, it's not going to be that bad. Well, I wasn't only in the capital. Um, Where were you? Um, I was in Oaxaca, um, Guadalajara, well, Jalapa. Is a, oh, that's so matter. So I think this is part of the thing too. Like I, I done, I do research on Guatemala, and I spend a lot of time in Guatemala. And the, the, 
the obvious thing is that most of the world's population is functionally vegetarian because people can't afford meat. Yeah. Right? I mean, this, this is like... So when you're, if you're in Oaxaca, where it's like a predominantly Maya community or Maya influence, yeah, a lot of people don't eat meat at all. Yeah, I mean, you can find stuff. I mean, trust me, I, I wanted to try some of their some mole, mole yeah. you know, but I didn't even get to go go that route. I don't know what I ended up having, but I, I you know... It's just, you, you'll find things. I mean, sometimes it does get difficult, but if all you get to eat is, like, a salad or rice, and you know, so be it. And hopefully the next day you'll find something better, <laughs> you know? Um, so feast or famine as a vegetarian in Latin America? Uh, it, it's, it's all good. Like, I think I've just kind of coped with it, and, you know, I feel bad usually because I travel with folks that, that aren't vegetarian, mm. so it's like, most of the time folks are pretty accommodating and, you know, will try to find a vegetarian friendly place for me but it's it's all good like sometimes i'm like dude go ahead splurge do your thing i'll we'll splurge on me some other time you know on some carrots (laughs) (laughs) the probably the best vegetarian restaurant i ever went to was uh in guatemala city outside of the the plaza central there's a really incredible vegetarian place incredible incredible it's really good so if you ever find yourself in guatemala city you'll see it it's really obvious yeah I know. Now I'm speaking of, now I'm going to be wanting some vegetarian vegan food right now. <laughs> mm, let's see. What else can I ask you? Because mm, I've been chasing you down for months, Gloria. This is taking a long time to... Like, and I'm living in Minneapolis, so like, you know, I happen to have come once a month for the last couple of months. And now I'm moving to San Francisco, so I'm hoping to be more present yeah. often in Los Angeles and cool. meet folks and keep interviewing people. So I'm excited yeah. about that. Cool. But, um, so I figured I should have had more questions, but I just didn't... It's all good. <laughs> I think we got the essentials in there, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there so? Is there, is there anything? Um, is there anything else you'd want to share with folks, or um, any sort of? I'll probably post this in the next two weeks. Is there any sort of big landmarks or timelines that you want to announce to folks so let people know? Um, I don't know. I mean, Viento Cajero has a bunch of shows coming up here and there. I think we're going to try to do some traveling outside of um, California. I think we're heading to Arizona next week, but. Um, we might have a couple shows out in Texas. Maybe we might be heading out to Chicago again. So, you know, be on the lookout. Spread the word. And, and hopefully, if y'all want to have a good time, dance. Forget your woes for, for at least a couple hours. And, you know, come come out to a show or check out the music. Um, a lot of love and, and hard work went into that album. And a lot of great artists collaborated with yeah. us. And uh, produced by a good friend of mine, Eugene Toll. And... He just added a whole nother sonic element that we weren't, we wouldn't have been able to do without him. So, you know, a lot of great people were part of this project, and I think it's a great representation of a lot of the independent artists that are out there and the bands that they're part of. And and you get to see these artists in a different light. Hearing Edika sing La Burrita, where she's used to doing her like kind of punk rock bossa nova thing with El Haruburo, <laughs> and then having her kind of do this like burrita like dance cut you know is, yeah. is pretty cool or yeah. having Leah from Las Cafeteras do a whole nother spin outside of what her element is and do Cariñito with us and she added this eerie quality to the, to the song which we loved you know and we had her harmonize with herself and we just kind of gave it this like kind of spooky like little thing kind of going and it's and hypnotic and a lot yeah. of people are gravitating towards it and I love Martha's like just with like, bigger bolder tones and oh, yeah. it was, it's such an amazing contrast between the three of those women yeah Martha yeah. is just like what a gem that woman is like mm-hmm. in so many forms I mean she I just talk about people that like things that, that you come across that you think you're proud of or that you're looking forward to and, and working with her was one of those moments 
Um, I, I worked with her a few years back and, and got to meet her and it was like just such a gem to work with such a pro like herself. She's just such a strong leader musically, um, just an intelligent woman, so uh, conscious of social political uh, issues and it was just a pleasure to work with her and her talent is just phenomenal. She's just like a beast on her vocals, her performance, her check it is just like her timing is just amazing. So to have her give that quality to to a song, Patuleco, it was just like she added like this whole nother element that was just like amazing to, to, to witness and to be a part of, you know. It's good to experience as a fan too, just listen to the album. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, Hector Guerra, um, he is actually a Bolivian Spanish rapper who lives in Mexico City mm -hmm. and Federico, the bass player, works with him for, for his project from time to time and and Hector Guerra, because he has this like accent, because he has a Spanish accent, um, when he raps, he just has a whole nother flavor, you know, his flow is different, so having him add to that record was just awesome, and he recorded in Mexico, and that was just so cool to have him be a part of that, and the element, it was just, it's so different, you don't hear rappers like that out here so it was a cool like addition to the record so he recorded in mexico and then you just mixed it over here around yeah. his voice yeah our wow. bass player was in mexico okay. with him recording for his for hector guerra's upcoming album so while they were over there they were like let's take advantage and get him to record one song with us so they tracked it over there and then you know emailed it the power of technology today <laughs> yeah. and we were able to mix it in and it went great you know and uh huh. We got Edgar from Bullepongo on there. Just he's such an amazing weed up there. He's just amazing to watch and listen. And we were grateful to have him, you know, add some of that to our record. And you know, our producer Eugene Toll also added some sax and flute and some mm. some tunes. And it just it was just you know just great work work and collaborations that kind of occurred on this record. So I'm I'm really proud. And I think as a band, we're really proud of all the, the work we did and, and all the collaborations and, and, you know, and hopefully people enjoy it, you know, check it out. And, and it's just a little, it's to me, records capture a moment in time. And I think it was a great representation of what we're trying to do and some of the people that are part of it. It's almost like a compilation, you know, album yeah, with so many, right. so many guests on there, you know. Yeah. And uh, people can buy it on where? Where can it's available on iTunes, CD Baby, Spotify. I think it should hit Pandora soon. By the time this airs, it should be on Pandora. And uh, we have SoundCloud, so if you just want to kind of check just them out. Yeah, taste it. Yeah. Okay. I'll put that in there. In the, yeah. yeah. And then uh, you have a website so people can find the... Yeah, we have our website is uh, vientocallejero.com, and you'll find all of our links to all of our social networks on there. Okay, so. yeah. So I saw the Twitter account, too. Yeah. Yeah. We're in there. We're connected. Uh -huh. Not as often as we should be, but we're connected. <laughs> yeah. All right, Gloria. Well, thanks uh, Thanks for your time. I oh, really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the coffee, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Bye.